Dr. Despair, oh, you're to blame. You give podcasts a bad name. Bad name. We'll play our parts and we'll say our names. You give podcasts a bad name. Bad name. A bad name. Hello, this is the Drop the Mask episode. This is like take number 47 of who knows how many more. But this has been difficult, really difficult to just like go ahead and, and spill the beans here. And I think that actually explains the whole situation with Dr. Despair. <laughs> Dr. Despair is a, um, he is a methodology by which I can speak my mind without having to second guess myself. One of the things Dr. Despair does a lot is second guess himself, but that's part of the whole thing, I guess. And words like, I guess, and you know, and all the other things that Dr. Despair says to fill in the blanks well, that's just me talking myself through. The whole thing is mostly, I'll say improv, um, but the structure is such of the podcast that I'll record a, several times the same thing, but I have to stop myself for five minutes because it's really hard for me to, one, stay in character for that long, and two, not really just ramble off because one thing Dr. Despair and I have in common is our tendency to take off on different tangents and then forget where we were going and wander way off the point. And sometimes that works and sometimes it really just doesn't. So, uh, especially if I get on a loop and that's probably what you see a lot is Dr. Despair is talking, Dr. Despair suddenly gets in a loop, he starts repeating himself, repeating himself, repeating himself. And um, so I need to break out somehow and sometimes you know those loops are okay sometimes they get really annoying so probably for every session i I probably usually have about three or four goes at it um and there's there none of them are perfect Uh, that's one of the frustrations so even this one's not like all that perfect but that's that's kind of the basis for the whole podcast. That's the method. I'm not saying that this is a great method. I'm not saying it's an okay method. I'm not even saying it's not a terrible method. But that's the method that's used. So, okay. So, that's that's the structure. Um, trying to tell you how everybody's related. Uh, you know, there's me, my wife, and my four kids. And really, it's my wife that really wanted me to do the podcast um been through some difficult moments and some hard times and I really needed a creative outlet so she encouraged me believe it or not to to start this thing um and then she encouraged me to start including other people um so Orca Boy of course was the first um and then the other three Orca Boy is my youngest um just entering high school um oldest is um, Septopolot 4 now. He was Septopolot B, the B movie um, minion, but uh, also the theology minion. Um, and so he's in, he's in uh, going, he has three degrees, he's going for two more. 
She's the oldest, but he's not here all that much. So he's, he probably frequents it. When I get him, I get a, you know, he's here. So, uh, you know, for, for a substantial amount of time. But more often than not, he's away. Um, second is another minion who's in college. Um, my daughter, uh, she is... Uh, she is in, she's finished one degree. She's going after, I guess, another degree. She's not too far away. We see her more frequently um, compared to my oldest son. So she's minion rent. Um, uh, the uh, next one is uh, minion septuplot nine. That's my younger daughter. Um, she's in high school. She's finishing up her senior year. Or she's starting her senior year. I'm sorry, she's finishing up, finishing up her high school. Uh, so she's the one who really, I think, has a personality um, most similar to my own uh, as far as senses of humor and things like that go. Um, so, the, yeah, and of course the fourth kid is Orca Boy. Now, Orca Boy's a little bit shy, um, so he doesn't really like to talk too much. Um, but he does like making squeaky sounds, and he has a good sense of humor too. So he's the kind of unexpected uh, a member of the family. And the last, of course, is, um, is Minion Septuplot 1, the Minion closest to my heart. So close to my heart that she's not really a Minion. Um, which is, of course, my wife, um, who has recently appeared in some of the episodes. My mom, that was really my mom. She's been in, uh, two or three now. My dad's been in one. There's an episode with my brother in it, which is really funny, um, which I haven't published, or I think it was really funny, you guys can always be the judge, uh, and then, um, I think the only other people that have appeared on the podcast, well, one is, uh, he who must not be named yet, um, who is my daughter's boyfriend, um, elder daughter's boyfriend, uh, he has his own podcast and show and things, uh, and he has, he streams his own, own, uh, material, um, He's the one who likes to talk about, uh, I think, uh, UFC fighting and things. Uh, we haven't done much on UFC fighting, but I think we might do that at some point. So that's kind of the cast. The hair cutter, uh, she was herself. Um, I won't give her name. Sora, she was herself. Uh, um, if you remember that episode, uh, that was at Skyline Chili. She was a, she was a good sport. Um, otherwise there's not been people, I don't think, except for maybe background noise. Uh, there was no Nagito. There was a lot of, um, old ladies wearing puffy jackets, um, for that episode, which I just kind of wrapped in there. That was while I was at a grocery store. Uh, same, same episode as, uh, as, uh, me getting a haircut. Um, anyway, uh, I'll come back in session two with a little bit more information about the personality of Dr. Despair. Thanks. Bye. Okay, so uh, let's get into a little bit of the psychology here of Dr. Despair and where it overlaps with me. I think that there's um, a couple trends here. One, clearly the the idea of the middle... Um, the middle class, middle of America, um, between the two extremes of left and right, 
you know, centrist. Um, that is definitely something that Dr. Despair and I uh, share. <laughs> we, we definitely have that, that sharing. Anti-intellectualism is another thing that we share. Um, mistrust of the people that claim to know science. I personally huh, know a lot, I think. Um, I can produce my credentials and, and show that I actually am a fairly well-educated person. Um, I have a, uh, I'm absolutely proud of my education, which was a public school education, but it was formed in a very unusual place. And I've seen the arguments and I've heard the arguments and I don't mean to be dismissive of them, but I know that they actually don't really satisfy anyone in the end. Science is not what they say it is. (laughs) Uh, Science is, is a mere tool. It is a sort of approach to finding out knowledge about the natural world through experimentation and observation. But it's nothing to do with purpose. The Nazis were great scientists. The communists were great scientists. Capitalism produces great science. Um, It's yet to be seen whether uh, liberalism actually can produce, um, modern liberalism can actually produce anything of any value at all. I pretty much doubt it uh, because I think it more than anything else is actually anti-science. But that's just my personal view. Um, In fact, yeah, I think institutions are required and anti-institutionalism is destructive to science. You have to be pursuing something called the truth, and it has to be a very objective truth for science to work at all, which means you have to start eliminating all the biases, whether or not they're religious or social. Um, You have to eliminate purpose from this. And for science to work properly, it has to simply be a tool. And therefore, it can't instruct, it can't lead, it can't produce morality. Uh, It can't produce a better society. You can't produce a better person only using science, right? You have to have some other value system in place, which is external to science. So people who say follow the science and all that, what are you doing? You're following a a hammer. And I don't think a hammer is going to take you anywhere, except for where you're already intending to go. So... That anti-science, it's not really anti-science because I strongly believe in science. But Dr. Spare is not a scientist, he's an engineer. And that's a very important distinction. Because engineers um, do act with purpose. Uh, They are trying to do something which is better. And so an engineer, again, Germans and Nazis, there were engineers there. There are evil engineers. (laughs) There are good engineers. Uh, The engineer is the inventive person. There's always this sense of doing something for a reason. And you could call that applied science if you wanted, but it's something a little bit more than that. Um, So there's nothing wrong with pursuing knowledge for its own sake. I think that is good, and it is a useful thing for society. But there is something wrong with saying that we shouldn't look at the broader picture. And that includes art as well. We want to make something beautiful. 
but beauty is not really a scientifically objective or quantifiable thing. It is not quite either a matter of opinion. It is a something else, right? There's something deep within us, as they would say, deep calls to deep, and that's what beauty is. So, there you, there you have it. That's pretty much Dr. Despair's philosophy in a, in a nutshell. Protect against the extremes. The extremes are leading us in the wrong direction. The extremes feed on themselves to profit themselves. Uh, whether you're being uh, motivated by uh, people screaming on the left or people screaming on the right, what they want to do is get you screaming too so that you'll give them their money, give them, give them your money and your time and your effort. And it's easier to incite people by making them really mad than it is by making them calm and rational. So uh, they look so much alike to me and they look identical to Dr. Despair. So that's basically the philosophy behind the podcast. Um, Good talk about uh, religious elements here in the next one. Um, Some of the theological things which come in. And then the last part, I'm going to talk about movies. So two more sessions to look forward to. Thanks. So let's talk a little bit about the theology behind Dr. Despair and uh, why it's important. Um, So when I first conceived of Dr. Despair, I wanted to make him a Catholic supervillain, meaning all his intentions are are good in a way, um, but he doesn't see this ridiculous (laughs) difficulty contrast between wanting to create a... um, wanting to be galactic emperor and still wanting to do all the religious part as well. Um, so that's obviously an internal struggle for him, you know, and, uh, why he went back and, you know, he's going to go back and forth, I think a few more times on whether or not he's a supervillain or a superhero. Um, but his, uh, you know, obvious ambitions, which he would call them modest, um, to be galactic emperor, um, that's, you got to maintain that. Otherwise, you know, what is he? But there are some good uh, moments there, I think, where Dr. Despair was asking his mom to um, approve his, his plans. And Dr. Despair really can't manage to actually be evil. He's really a very gentle soul. Um, but he wants to, you know, he's just ambitious, I guess. So the theology parts are important um, to Dr. Spare, to me too. Uh, but they're not really supposed to be extremely sectarian. So in other words, he's not really going to go after Protestants or Hindus or, or uh, Jewish people or even that much atheists at all. I don't think that Dr. Despair has any real animosity towards any other group. Um, and I don't either, so... So it would really not fit very well for Dr. Despair to essentially make Catholicism or, you know, it's less, it's sort of a, would be a joke, I think, if Dr. Despair comes along and says, you know, uh, you know, part of the new rules is we're all going to say a rosary every day or something like that. You know, that's not really because I think people, that someone should be, commanding everybody to say a rosary every day. It's just because of the fact that that would probably be in character for Dr. Despair. So doesn't always think things through really well. 
and can say what he thinks in a way that I personally couldn't and wouldn't. So, um, so yeah, so please, you know, I hope no one gets offended by <laughs> Dr. Despair's uh, religion. Uh, we share the same religion, Dr. Despair and I. But we are, you know, again, I, I don't think either of us is really looking at that other than as a kind of a moral compass to decide what's right and what's wrong. So there's that, but not as a means of uh, rating or judging uh, who's better and who's worse. So that's where theology comes in. I think there's, there's a lot of really combination theology philosophy problems. Uh, that's why there were like the fall of man episodes. Um, and then there, you know, I think it will be a recurring theme to bring back um, uh, Minion Septuplot 4, who does know quite a bit, because there, there's there's a conflict here about the law and um, enforcing the law, what the law is, the restrictions of the law. And I think that contrast is really relevant for today, and I think it's where, again, the despotism part <laughs> really can come and uh, possibly be kind of funny at least well I hope it's so not really sure but but uh, that that'll that'll remain there otherwise I don't know um, I think that I maybe sometimes take a little bit of a light-hearted approach to the Bible there's a lot of stories in the Bible which um, sometimes maybe we take a little too seriously. Uh, there's some funny moments. I think someone pointed this out to me once that there's that scene where they've been fishing all night and haven't caught a single thing. And Jesus says, try the other side of the boat, right? And I don't know where the joke comes from, but the fishing joke is, of course, you know, if you're not, if you're not catching fish on one side, try, try casting other fish. Now, did St. Peter already know about that fishing joke? I mean, that was, you know, was that a fishing joke that people told at that time? And then, you know, but Jesus was a carpenter, he wasn't a fisherman, so, but he might have heard that joke too. If it's not working one way, try the other way, right? And if you see this as a lighthearted moment in the Bible, all of a sudden it does take on a, a different role because no one, nowhere I think it was ever said that Jesus was like told a joke or laughed or, but if you look at how his disciples and everyone loved him, and how much they got accused of having too good of a time, you know, maybe there's something there that we should start thinking about a little, um, those of us who, who are religious and, and those of us who aren't religious. Maybe we don't quite see the full Jesus all the time because we do take things a little overly seriously. And if we just lighten up a little bit, some more of the human dimension will come through. And so I don't want to be irreverent. I know that that can happen, but I don't, you know, and I, and I know that there's times where I'm probably going to cross the line, but part of comedy and humor is to, is to take things which are serious and change your perspective in such a way that, um, that you see something that you hadn't seen before. And that means walking right up to the edge and sometimes looking right over the edge as if you're going to fall off, coming all the way really close to falling off and then at the last minute, you know, being saved. Because in the end, comedy is is a way of exploring the dangerous in a safe manner. 
Okay, so that's about all I have to say about theology. I want to talk about movies and why they're relevant to me and what movies are, are particularly re- relevant. Thanks. Be back. So, okay, the fourth session is going to be on movies. Um, there's a lot more in the Behind the Mask series that we could do. One specifically on my hometown, I think, of, um, of Oak Ridge. Uh, that would be kind of interesting, um, just because that was that weird, unusual experience. And to kind of talk about Oak Ridge itself, um, what it was like to grow up in the 80s in Oak Ridge would, would be cool. But, um, but I wanted to talk about movies because I think movies actually play a bigger role in Dr. Despair um, podcasts than, uh, than my hometown. Um, so the movies that have been mentioned, uh, I think, I don't know how many there have been, but um, certainly Star Wars was discussed uh, probably at nauseum. Um, uh, the other one, of course, Conan. Um, and then I think maybe you mentioned crawl uh beast master um i don't know if i've ever talked about the lord of the rings i think i did talk about schindler's list once um also maybe the shawshank redemption was alluded to uh you know there's a there's a series more movies julia roberts uh actress or actor of the female kind she shows up um harrison ford and if i start talking about harrison ford i'm gonna be talking about um movies like uh Mosquito Coast and, and things. Uh, a lot of them are date back to a specific period of time. There's a lot of Peter Weir movies which are going to show up there because I really uh, like Peter Weir as a director. And Akira Kurosawa, of course. Um, I mean, who doesn't? I mean, you'd be like an idiot to think that Akira Kurosawa is an overrated director. Um, High and Low, of course, one of my favorite films by Akira Kurosawa. Uh, um, gosh, I don't know. Runaway Train's probably been mentioned. That's related to Akira Kurosawa because I think it was his screenplay. Um, yeah, just just a ton ton of movies. And of course, the, the, these all tie together. The neat thing about um, movies, I you know, especially in the age of IMDb, is you can go from one movie to another, from one genre to another, really easily. And movies are both a barometer of our culture and a kind of force moving in our culture. Um, they, they say what we value at the moment. When Avatar became like, you know, what was way up high on the list, um, Avatar, I, I've never even seen Avatar, so I can't say if it's a good movie or a bad movie. But when it was really high on the list, I was thinking, this movie, this is ridiculous. How could this be movie, whatever movie it was, how could it be moved up so high? on the list of the 100 greatest movies of all time. I, I don't even know if it figures on a list anymore, but certainly, um, I think overrated at the time has been proven out over time. Never seen the movie, but knew it was overrated without even having to bother going and seeing it, just because I knew what the premise of the movie was, and I knew that people were just excited because it was a CGI movie. And technology is always improving. So just on the basis of, wow, it was one of those spectacularly colorful movies. Yeah, nah, it's not gonna hold. Um, you, you got to go back and you look at some of the older movies that were spectacular or wonder and something like that and see that they don't hold up, right? Um, black and white movies hold up. <laughs> it's interesting. Um, I don't know why the colors never fade in a black and white movie. And so 
and that era was was good. And there were a lot of movies um, that were good in the whatever. I'm just saying stuff which is obvious here, but there were a lot of movies in the 40s, 50s, 60s, um, and then you moved into the colorful era, and uh, and and things changed. The 80s were probably a low point for movies, I think. Um, though a lot of the great movies, or the movies that you know we have a lot of of love and affection for, say the original Ghostbusters, um, most of the original Star Wars trilogy, uh, E.T. movies like this that we have a lot of nostalgia for, are, were were in the 80s. Um, the Rambo movies, uh, oh gosh, uh, a lot of really terrible horror movies. Um, you know, there were a lot of fun movies in the 80s. We were just, I was just talking yesterday about uh, movies like uh, Crossroads um, with Ralph Macchio. Again, Karate Kid, 80s movie. Uh, Crossroads, though, was a really good movie, which, which Ralph Macchio kind of, like, breaks character, except for he doesn't. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean if you've seen that movie. Um, what else? Oh, gosh. Uh you know, from this last Starfighter, Back to the Future, uh, Labyrinth, um, a lot of a lot of these movies I saw as a kid have retained their appeal. Uh, Night of the Comet, another one, um, as a kind of silly horror movies. Um, there was, I'll call it. This is a this was a bad era for movies, except for in one way. It was an era of innocence, and movies brought us together. Red Dawn. <laughs> movie which we all cheered on the Wolverines uh, so if you if this period of movies with Rocky um, and Conan and all these things the movies at their at their most deepest were very shallow um, and they didn't really try to provoke us into deep reflection very much and they were more in terms of um, of obvious good versus obvious evil, uh, which had been um, a rejection against all the um, anti-hero movies of the 70s. Though we still had Clint Eastwood running around, right? Uh, so we still had the outlaw Josie Wales, and we had the Dirty Harry movies, and we had uh, those, um, uh, gosh, uh, Bronson, uh, Charles Bronson movies. So there was still an anti-hero thing, but the anti-hero had almost become such a like a such such an obvious uh, a trope, for for lack of another word, that it was very easy for us to understand and respond and predict. And so movies gave us a kind of like the like they weren't troubling or something. Um, things change a whole lot, I think, for movies in the '90s. But what's good about movies is that they're accessible to everybody. Um, whatever side of the political spectrum that you're on to be talked about in, in various safe ways, whether or not it's good or it's bad, the acting, whether you like the actor, the actress, or the, or if you like the, uh, cinematography or, you know, was it, um, was it worthwhile? Was it just a remake of something else? Um, was it bad? Was it so bad? It was good. Was it so bad that it wasn't good? You know, all these kind of things are, are important and fun to discuss. Um, and I try to use some of these things, especially the Conan, uh, the, the kind of simple philosophy of Conan, uh, which stretched you just just a little bit. And just taking those things and running with them a little bit further is one of the things that I enjoy doing. 
And so the movies are going to keep coming up in the in the podcast. Now the Star Wars though, Star Wars was not a hit among my test audience. So some people liked it, some people didn't like it within the test audience. And therefore, and by the way, the test audience is my audience. So you know who I'm talking about. Um, so that, so Star Wars kind of got put on the back burner. But I bring Star Wars back when I feel like it, darn it. And it'll show up again. Um, so that's really it for the fourth session. We'll maybe talk a little bit more about movies uh, in another future Behind the Mask episode. But I know I've taken up a lot of your time. Uh, I hope you keep listening to the podcast. If you're a new listener, uh, which maybe there every now and then is, uh, stick with it. They vary in terms of how good they are. Um, I'm probably going to go and archive a bunch of the ones which are just kind of like minor ones, which really, yeah, they were just kind of filler to keep keep the ball rolling. So I'll probably start taking some of them um, down and archiving old ones, which are just not really popular. But some of the ones which, uh, that way people will be able to find the ones which I think are better. So if you want to tell me what you think is a good pod, a good episode and what you think is a bad episode, what was your favorites, what weren't your favorites, that would probably really help future listeners. So that's it from Behind the Mask. Uh, so I will see you again with a real Dr. Despair podcast episode sometime soon. So bye.